sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's Veterans Day, Wednesday, November 11th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. We'll try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And, Kev, we've been alluding to this, but, you know, the NBA is creeping up on us again. We found out, you know, that we're going to start on December 22nd and i've been telling you we got a backwards map from that and we got some Mm -hmm. more details kev i mean you know uh for lack of a better term training camps will start Mm -hmm. on december 1st which is a mere like three or four weeks away before that we're gonna have to have a free agency period which i think is going to be absolutely you know you're gonna have to keep your head on the swivel these are things kev usually we see in the first month in the month of july right like it get you know, extended over the entire month. You start to hear buzz. You start to hear signings. We're going to have that in like 10 days, okay? The draft is next Wednesday. And all of that, you know, what we needed to know was the money, right? Because GMs Mm -hmm. can't go out there and start working their magic until they knew what the parameters were that they were working under. And we heard yesterday that they finally have, you know, confirmed what the salary cap will be this year and moving forward. So now GMs can start to do their thing. Oh, and by the way, we would find out exactly how much a supermax for Giannis would be also. Which is important information for I'm sure. Um, <laughs> once they once they have all of this information, I mean, we're, we're about to start going. It's going to be information yeah. overload, and not just for us. You know, I've been now starting to you know increase some of the information uh, intake for myself, and you hear people reporting. They're like. GMs, like, they just didn't have time to worry about the draft. They didn't know what was going to go on. And now everybody's like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing here? We're going to have, you know, the moratorium period is going to open. These teams are going to be figuring out trades, opt-ins, opt-outs with the draft two days out and then free agency starting two days later. And this is the one thing that I will tell everybody. Just know free agency has already begun. Because they simply don't have enough time to be waiting Mm -hmm. for the 20th anyway. Agents and players, and there's a lot of backdoor conversations. So when you hear something, don't be like, ah, how they'd have time to figure that out. There's been conversations going on since the bubble. Trust that. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're chilling in the bubble. What else they got to do except talk about the moves that could be made? But I do believe, Kevin, you know, that money piece was important, right? Because now you know mm-hmm. what you are working within. So, like, do they want to go get our guy FVV actually a max deal? Now yeah. we'll know if someone wants to kind of swallow that. You know, Kev, one of my favorite terms in this kind of year and in the sports world is the legal tampering period. You know about Love that, it. right? Like when you're and quite frankly, we're in it now. 
right, Kev? Like, we're here already, to your point. So let's discuss a couple of the names that are out there. Let's try to reset the deck, get you thinking about what player movement might happen. Remember yesterday we talked about Serge Ibaka potentially being the apple of the Lakers' eye? You thought that was interesting? Another mm -hmm. player that I think is interesting, maybe the casual fan doesn't know, but real NBA fans know he is a boss, and especially last year for the Brooklyn Nets without KD, without Kyrie. Most people learn the names of Karis LeBert and this guy, Spencer Dinwiddie. As we welcome in our radio audience around the country, around the globe, getting the edge with us. Thanks for joining us, Dane and Kevin here on the early line. Spencer Dinwiddie, it seems, Kev, may be a prize possession of some team out west. It seems like there are multiple teams interested in trading for the Nets swingman. Now, I got to ask you, is it, I mean, that's swingman uh, guard. Is this because Kyrie is coming back in essence? And it would be hard to figure out, you know, who's on the ball with both of them. I think the Nets, you know, and guys like Levert and Dinwiddie, these are good players, but I wonder if they fit with KD and Kyrie coming back. See, this is the thing with Dinwiddie. It's not just Kyrie, right? Like, KD mm. has to be top dog, right? Then it's Kyrie. But sure. as you mentioned, Levert was one of the players of the Absolutely. bubble. I believe he was first team all bubble. Absolutely. So Dinwiddie goes from a guy that was filling in in these two top guys' absence as the guy, right? Went from sixth we man of the year an to... an all-star, though, last year, though. He's good. Like, I actually believe yes. the Nets are best with Dinwiddie with the ball in his hands and Kyrie playing two guard. The thing is, that's not going to happen. Dinwiddie now becomes option four on this team. Does he fit that role? Is he going to be, you know, explosive off the bench as a Lou Will-esque player? There's value in that. But is right. Dinwiddie okay with that? That I mean, might be what Karis Levert is for the Nets. That might be Karis Levert. <laughs> but Levert's so much better. See, this is the other thing about this starting lineup, right? Is Levert's right. going to be... Levert is the big three. Like, the big three is not Dinwiddie. It's Levert, KD, and Kyrie. How does Dinwiddie feel about that not secondary role, not tertiary role? Yeah. I mean, he's the fourth guy. This is a guy that's starting campaigns of Bitcoin to have people pay for his contract, <laughs> and he'll take a minimum somewhere else. I mean, he's wild. He's fun. I just don't know how much he would love this idea of being option four, which so is let me ask a you, whole nother let me piece ask of this you, puzzle. Gun to your head. Does Dinwiddie get moved in the next week? Yes or no? No. I think Brooklyn no. stands back. So after all that, you think he they retain him. We've yeah. got a couple of other players and big name players out there as well that they're starting to be buzz about. Here's what we'll do on the other side of the break. We're going to rapid fire, bang some of these names off you, Kevin. Tell me if you smell something funny or if you think it is possible. And then we got even a new markets to look at in the NBA, which I know Kevin is excited about. We will do all of that when we come back right here on the Earth. Your heart's racing. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line where we put the fun and functional sports content. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, we got to get people ready because it's going to slap them real quick. All of a sudden, like sometime next week, a big name players in the NBA is going to get traded or they're going to sign. Free agency is literally less than 10 days away. We are officially in the legal tampering period, Kev. So let's tamper and move some numbers. One of the players that is being talked about is Chris Paul. Um, mm. Chris Paul, the leaders of the Player Association, you know, he's on Oklahoma City right now. And as you know, they are going to the youth movement on some level, right? If anything, they were ahead of schedule with their play last year. They have a ton of draft capital. And, you know, Chris Paul may want to go elsewhere. They may want to leverage that. We are hearing now that Chris Paul may go to Phoenix of all places. Buy or sell that as a place he would want to go? Are they just maybe Ooh. trying to pry Devin Booker free? What do you make of this? Because I kind of thought if CP3 would be moved, it would be to a contender or at least a big media market. What say you here? Let me, let me just say something. I know I'm known as the basketball guy. Dane's on it, though. Dane is on it. Like, every single important thing about this, this is not where we would expect CP3 to land, realistically, right? This is not a move that I would tell you puts the Suns anywhere near contention. But we've heard reports. The worst-kept secret in basketball is Devin Booker's getting tired of Phoenix. Mm. And Devin Booker might want out. So what do you do if you're the Suns? You get Chris Paul. You go to the playoffs. You deliver him playoff basketball. Devin Booker, for the last two to three years, has been complaining about not getting to play in the postseason. This close this past year. 8-0 in the bubble. Incredible. There's momentum behind this organization now. And the reason why I think Chris Paul will be in... I do think he loved what he did in OKC. Ultimately, this is a guy that I heard some people give top five MVP love. I think, not that it was without like pressure. He played, a new role as like the elder yes. statesman mentor. Mm-hmm. Right, but still playing high-level ball and has a very well-established relationship with Monty Williams. Loves the guy, the head coach of the Phoenix Suns, so I buy it. It's not where we would have thought. Milwaukee, the Lakers, we heard these big, right. splashy, you know, possible markets. But where there's smoke, there's fire. I think this gets done. I think he ends up a Phoenix Sun. All right. Interesting. Interesting to note. And by the way, thank you for talking about how I'm plugged into this. A lot of this is because I talk to the candle burner for like what, 20 <laughs> hours a week. Don't sweat it, brother yeah. man. But I appreciate you. Another name that we all know is Russell Westbrook. Right now, there's been questions on like, how would Russ do on a championship caliber team? You know what I mean? Mm. Is he the guy you want as the ball dominant card on a playoff team? Do you want the ball in his hands? Or should he go to a place where he could just chuck it and get his triple doubles? And I offer you two options because I've heard two teams <laughs> that are discussed when it comes to Russell Westbrook. One is the Los Angeles Clippers, which is interesting to me with the style of ball they want to potentially play. The other is the New York Knicks. And with New York in the garden, would it stunt R.J. Barrett's development? Maybe. Is Mitchell Robinson supposed to grow into, like, the next coming of a great big man? Maybe. I'll tell you what, though. If Russell Westbrook is in the garden, he's going to think it's Rucker, and he's going to go, like, 35, mm. 13, and 11 every single mm-hmm. night. And to be quite honest, Kev, I don't know if that's a bad look. One, it could finally get some excitement in the garden, could sell some yeah. jerseys, and quite frankly, is Russell Westbrook enough in the Eastern Conference to carry a team to a 7th or 8th seat? 
You know what? I like that last point. He did it in the West. Now, they probably need a little bit more. My big thing with the Knicks is the reason why I'm a little bit more. He has to get better than what he was last year, right? Like, people have to improve. But But I'll tell you this. I think there is value in the Knicks having a star. By the right. way, okay, so Chris Paul is always the name, and we're like, oh, Chris Paul, one of the top guys in terms of where he sits in the NBA, president of the Players Association. You know who's right. always on those phone calls? Russell Westbrook. When the Thunder and the Rockets, who were supposed to play each other the day the right. NBA shut down, met in the room to decide, it was Chris Paul Talking to Russell Westbrook, he also could really help swing how that organization is viewed. I think that's got to be the goal for this team. It's just, unless they hit home runs in the draft, they're going to need to find a way to get star players there to change the narrative around the organization. This is the way it's always been. You know, they thought 10 years ago they were going to do that with LeBron James. They wound up with Amari Stoudemire, right? They thought uh, Carmelo Anthony would do that. But this could be something that would at least bring some excitement back. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks are a very interesting team around, you know, obviously Giannis. We've heard potentially um, about Victor Oladipo. Right, potentially going whether Giannis goes or Milwaukee acquires some other guy that people feel better about than Chris Middleton. And I heard another name out there. I don't know if you saw this, Kev. Tell me what you think. Aaron Gordon, I heard, mm. being Ballyhooed, talk about potentially being the Robin to Giannis's Batman. What do you think about these rumors here? Whether it's Oladipo, whether it's Gordon, or whether it's the complete other way that they move Giannis when they still could get something back. How do you think that drama goes down? This team is going to do something. That is what right. we know, right? Like right. yesterday, the Chris Paul stuff comes out, and Milwaukee Bucks Twitter's like, oh my gosh, no. They desperately want Chris Paul. Is Aaron Gordon a consolation prize? Is Victor Oladipo something? Maybe. Oladipo would be nice. I'll tell you this about Milwaukee. If I'm any of these teams who has anything, I am being like, oh yeah, whatever you want, Milwaukee. Just want a couple of those first-round picks you got. Right, There's right, a, something right. I created a long time ago in my head called a Brooklyn rating of teams that would fit the description that the Nets fit when they gave all those picks to Boston for Garnett and Paul Pierce, right? Right, right, right. And honestly, like, the Clippers and the Rockets would be high up on that, so that's why the Thunder are in the most magical position of all time. The Bucks would be on that list as well, because if Giannis goes... This thing could really crumble. So the Magic, the Pacers, they start throwing you multiple firsts. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Because the way it, this is going to have to reset one way or the other for the Bucs, right? Um, Down the road, whether they, if they don't have Giannis... And they back at square one. So we will keep our eyes on all of these things. Remember, the draft is a week from tonight, Kev. There's buzz about guys like Wiseman. Uh, You know, may he get traded for to be number one overall. And Kev, I know you were very excited. Um, Our friends and partners over at FanDuel have started to open up the NBA draft markets. Remember, in the NFL draft, Mm -hmm. in the middle of the pandemic, this was the only game in town. There were all sorts of things to bet on. And there will be a ton of props of matchups in terms of the NBA draft and a little bit later on this week and going into the mm-hmm. draft we will certainly focus on that because the candle burner is going to help win us some money as it relates to the names that are called next Wednesday evening one more thing on the NBA real quick Kev I don't know if you saw this now literally you know the Philadelphia 76ers they're turning the page right new head coach new GM 
A new day. The process continues. One of the things we are also seeing is new uniforms for the Philadelphia 76ers. What do you think about Big Ben Simmons and all black here, Kev? Yeah, it's nice. I got to just tell you, I just can't stand the NBA and the whole uniform things. Like, I don't know how many, if any, organizations are wearing the best version of their uniform. Just go back to the cool Iverson ones with, right, with, right, the, right. with the blue. It's like the nicest jersey of all time. Or the Denver Nuggets ones with the this. rainbow in the skyline across yes. the... Yeah. The jazz ones with the slopes. Are you crazy? Oh, I yeah, love definitely. The, ro- the Rockets, the Rockets blue pinstripes with the big rocket. Sure. The Phoenix Suns old black. Could the Oklahoma the stri- City Thunder wear no. old like supersonics uniforms, or is that not allowed? No. No, disrespectful. Okay. Can't do it. That's heartbreaking. <laughs> okay, you can't do enough. that. That's the only exact that's the only one you can't do. But the Raptors so too. Should- the Raptors have nice uniforms, yeah. but like go back to They're the old, old ones. ones. They're gorgeous. Yeah, nostalgia reigns supreme, and, you know, those classic unis can always be used. The last thing I'll say here on the NBA, and, and, you know, unfortunately, Kev, we're going to hear a lot about these things as well. Why? Because it's our society we live in, and COVID is still there. The New York Knicks had to shut down their facility with multiple player, uh, not necessarily player, but multiple uh, positive tests. And remember, this is not projected to be in a bubble. They're going to try to travel like the NBA, but they're Mm -hmm. indoors. I mean, like the NFL, but they're indoors. This is going to be real crazy to see. You know, we're getting to the starting line. Will we get to the finish line in the NBA, the same as all these other sports? I'll just quickly say the fact that we got this information still gives me hope for the NBA. Like, we get more information for them than baseball while baseball season is going on. They still take this very serious. Yep, but, you know, it deserves to be taken serious, and it's getting more and more serious as the days go on. When we come back here on the early line, we go for the two with our pal Joel Lisi to talk college football. Come on back after this and after the news update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Big shout-out to all of our radio affiliates, all the ways you can hear and watch SportsGrid. Thanks for getting up early with us to get the edge. And now we turn our attention to college football, and there is nobody better to get the edge with than our guy, Joe Lisi. So we go for the two right now. You can see Joe Lisi all over our networks, whether it's on College Football Today, whether it's doing guest spots on all of our our shows like here or tonight with our guy the candle burner on in game live how you doing joe <laughs> oh this is paradise guys you know i just thought about it we have football every day until the yeah. season ends can you imagine Absolutely. that it's got to be like this is heaven to have football mm-hmm. on every day of the week It absolutely is, and we thank the Mac for that. Um, But here's what I want to get into first with you, Joe. And I know it's kind of a big picture kind of thing, but listen, uh, COVID is real. The second wave is certainly happening. And and as we have seen, the SEC has been compromised this week, right? And, you know, there were games that kind of got moved or postponed. But now we're talking about marquee stuff, right? Alabama and LSU has been postponed. Texas A&M, a top five team in the country, has their own outbreak. The Mississippi State-Auburn game has now been postponed as well. I 
guess, Joe, my question is not like about COVID per se, but how will these conferences handle this, right? There's a different set of protocols in the SEC from the ACC, from the Big Ten, and I'm seeing games now pushed back to like December 12th, December 19th, whatever the case may be. Ultimately, we've got to norm everybody into a top four for the playoffs. How do you see these things happening with different schedules and starts and stops? And what is the SEC going to do with an outbreak on their hands that, you know, may even get worse? Yeah, that's the current landscape that we're in 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 college football, Dane. And I think that, you know, if there is one conference that could deal with it at this point, it is the SEC. Now, you mentioned two of those games being rescheduled with Texas A&M and Tennessee and Auburn and and Miss State. The one game that hasn't been rescheduled up until this point is Alabama and LSU. Mm. But I think that, you know, there is a window there, a short window to schedule these games in, possibly December 19th or the week after. It's going to come down to can the college football playoff possibly move their game back a couple of weeks to really accommodate these schedules. Because they would wait for That's the SEC, been- right? They would have to wait for the SEC, and the yep. SEC championship would get pushed back to what, Christmas? Almost? like Could be. Yeah. And obviously the, the, the college football playoff would wait for an SEC champ to be crowned. And then what about all these other bowls, right? Like, aren't there tie-ins for, say, second place in the SEC uh, to, to some of these other bowls? Like, how to, like, isn't bowl week almost right then and there? How does that actually happen when, say, uh, Auburn, let's say, right, who could be a ranked team, second or third in the SEC, let's say, wouldn't they be tied into, oh, I don't know, the Independence Bowl or something, which almost might happen on December 18th before an SEC championship game? Like, I just don't understand how they move all the puzzle pieces and stagger it so that it actually happens, Joe. Yeah, I think the bowl season is going to be somewhat in doubt. Now, they have 37 Mm. bowl games that they've agreed to to this capacity. I think the bigger picture is get the college football playoff started and finished. You know, when does that happen? Is it the Mm -hmm. first week of uh, January like it's expected? Is it the second week? That's what needs to be worked out. But that's the bigger picture. You need to have that before you can have the bowl games. So we'll see. I mean, right now it's status quo. The bowl games will be played from, let's say, December 22nd through the end of the year and into January 7th. But uh, this is the moving pieces that we have to work with in college football to actually get a national champion and to finish the season on time. You know, what's crazy is I honestly think the SEC just could set a date for Bama, Florida, roll the ball out, and we've seen enough (laughs) from this season. What do you make of that win from Florida over Georgia? I mean, this team now moves to sixth in the country. Kyle Trask right there, I think, in this Heisman race. Kyle Pitts, obviously we know maybe a tight end goes in the top five. I mean, I've seen some mocks put him there. Is this Florida team legit enough to put some fear into Bama? Because you look at these schedules, it'd be very surprising if this isn't our SEC title game. Right. I, I think they are. I, you know, they're a veteran team, and you have a veteran quarterback in Kyle Trask that put up 474 yards against one of the best defenses in the SEC. And you saw the way Ole Miss challenged that Alabama defense vertically. Well, they have the yes. type of playmakers that can do it with Kyle Pitts, Kadarius, Tony, and you saw them challenge Georgia's defense. Same type of recipe. You have a hot quarterback at the end of the year. I think he's a Heisman Trophy 
dark horse and, and contender at this point, and they stepped up on a neutral field. This was a team in Georgia that knocked them off three straight years by an average margin of victory of 20.3 points per game, and they took the game to Georgia on both sides of the football. Defense came through with some critical turnovers. I think this is the hottest team in the SEC East. All right, absolutely. And you were on Florida last week in this spot when we asked you about it. You did like the Florida Gators, and they come on home. That's why we go for the two with our guy (laughs) Joe Lisi. Obviously, though, last week, the biggest game was the super spreader event that happened in South Bend, right? (laughs) Where in double overtime, the Notre Dame fighting Irish get the job done, albeit Clemson compromised, but they played great. It's not like DJU was going to do much better than Trevor Lawrence. That's the point, obviously, Kevin likes to make. And Brian Kelly and Notre Dame get a victory against a big boy. Now tell me, how impressed were you by, you know, Notre Dame? What does this mean for Clemson? And ultimately... Does it kind of not matter because they're probably going to play again and whoever wins that second game is more important? No, I don't think so. It matters for the psychological and okay. confidence, uh, psychology and confidence of Notre Dame to step up, uh, you know, at home and to dominate Clemson. Let let's keep in mind as good as they were offensively with playmakers like Avery Davis, McKinley, and Mayer, their tight end. Their defense held Clemson to 34 total rushing yards in that battle, forced mm-hmm. three turnovers. They were plus two in turnover margin. That was a dominant defensive effort. And, and let's be quite honest. I mean, DJ. J.U. threw for over 400. Is Trevor Lawrence going to throw for 600 right. in that de- against that defense? I don't think so. Right. So to me, it was the Kevin defense thought that he was going to have a hundred percent completion percentage, and that's right. why it was a difference. <laughs> right. So for me and Kevin, I mean, I mean, that's a huge step up for Notre Dame's defense. That front seven in overtime made two critical sacks forced short intermediate throws and I think if they play again defensively they're going to be playing with a ton of confidence and it's not going to be an easy game for Clemson this is a different offense this year even with Trevor Lawrence at the helm they've only rushed for over 200 guys one game came against Miami just think about this for one second Mm. since 2016 until now, Clemson 33-0 and every time they pound the rock for over 200. Travis Etienne hasn't been over 100 yards since the middle of the season. Think about that statistic and think about the dominance of what Notre Dame did Saturday night. And look, I mean, you made the points I make. Like, at the end of the day, DJ was incredible. Like, unless Trevor was going to complete 100% of passes and throw for 600 yards, like, like, that wasn't the problem. Clemson's defense, though, there was conversations about it being compromised, missing some talent. They gave up 47 points in that game. I understand there was extra points with the overtime. Still... You expect more from a Clemson defense. A Clemson defense that gave up 28 first-half points to Boston College. Yes, a defensive touchdown, but then held them scoreless in the second half. Clemson's defensive issues right now, at least in the first half of these games, Joe, feels real. I mean, they always lose a lot of talent. And I know we expect everybody to reload when it's Alabama, when it's Clemson, when it's Ohio State. Is this Clemson team as good as maybe we thought coming into the year, or are there some real cracks in the armor? 
Well, I think the biggest thing for me, just across the whole college football realm, I haven't seen a dominant defense up until this point or the season. You thought it was Clemson. And you could go to Alabama. You can go to Auburn. You can go to Ohio State. I mean, teams are giving up chunks of yardage. And more importantly, guys, it's third down conversions. If your defense allows opposing offenses to sustain drives, you're going to be in ball games. You're not going to dominate. So for me, that that's the biggest change. Clemson this year, they allowed, especially in that victory by Notre Dame, they allowed Ian Book to sustain drives with his legs. That's the biggest change. Their linebackers aren't as good this year as they were in years past. Hey, Joe, you know, I uh, we only got a couple of minutes and we'll have you more on the other side of the break. But, you know, you talk about these defenses not showing up anywhere in the country. What about my Cincinnati Bearcats? They're supposed to have a pretty good defense. They put it on another team that was supposed to be good in Houston. They look good, yet somehow fall in the rankings. Similar, BYU on a Friday night goes to Boise, another ranked team, and dump trucks them on the blue turf. You know I'm a little bit biased here because I want chaos. We only got a minute left in this segment. Maybe we could talk more about it on the other side of the break. But, you know, Joe, I was surprised. You know, Cincy and BYU look good, yet they don't get closer to the promised land of what they need moving up the ranks. Because the other conferences are starting to play and build up their resume. So you have a team like USC, you have the Big Ten starting to play and take shape. That hurts BYU and Cincinnati. Granted, they're physical on both sides of the ball, but they're going to need a dynamic effort or one of these top teams to lose over the next couple of weeks before they can be included into the argument of the top four. All right, fair enough. I mean, there is the potential for some of these teams to fall by the wayside, as we have talked about. And then, listen, Wisconsin fell when they were idle for COVID. Why can't Texas A&M get leapfrogged by Cincinnati (laughs) if they are idle for COVID? We'll talk about not looking back, but looking forward to this week of college football, what you expect, who's on upset alert, and what you have been impressed by. We'll do that when we come back. It's the spitting statistician the candle burner and our guy joe lisi friend of the show we continue to go for two right here on the early line when we come back giving you the edge on sports SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge. If you know by now, you also put the fun and functional sports content. Dane Martinez, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh, and we have our guy Joe Lisi here in his normal Wednesday spot, which is only going to get more and more important as we go through the college football season. Next week will be the first unveiling of the you know college football standings, and that happens on Tuesday night. And so we are lucky to have our guy Joe Lisi here every Wednesday morning on the early line, breaking it all down trying to give you the information you need to be profitable joe here's what i want to ask you you know in the big 12 when they got going we saw oklahoma fall and sink like a stone unexpectedly in 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 the in the in the big 10 we saw penn state lose a couple games michigan lose a couple games what i want to ask you is last week 
the Pac-12 started. And we have been talking about Oregon. We have been talking about USC and their potential path, right? If they run the table in only six games, do they have the pedigree to be, uh, you know, serious contenders? What I want to ask you, I know they both won. Were you impressed with what you saw via the eye test for Oregon and USC? Because the result is one thing, right? But now a guy like you, how do they stack up against some of these other teams we're seeing? Like in Indiana, for goodness sakes, or a Miami who are ahead of them in the polls, but we have seen them on the field and on tape a little bit more. How did these supposed big dogs in the Pac-12 look to you in their openers? They look like, you know, week one openers. And I think if they mm. played a team like Indiana or another team that's in that tier, I think they would win those ball games. If they matched up against Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, or Alabama at this point in the season, I think both teams would get blown out. I wasn't impressed defensively mm. with both teams. You look at Stanford, mm. a middle-of-the-road type of offense. They were able to move the football, get into the red zone opportunities, just couldn't convert in terms of field goals against the Ducks. So to me, that was a good effort, wasn't an elite effort, and it was as expected because Stanford, to me, is just an, a 500 to under 500 team under David Shaw. When you look at USC's performance against Arizona State, that was a little more impressive because Arizona State, in my opinion, was a dark horse to win the Pac-12. They had a big play quarterback in Jaden right. Daniels and a more physical defense. The thing that I wasn't impressed with with USC in that matchup they allowed 258 rushing yards to Arizona State. That was a team that only averaged 3.6 yards per carry last year. So to give up that much in run support is definitely a concern as the season progresses. But I like USC on the road this weekend in Tucson. I thought the USC comeback, ultimately, Herm Edwards group, weird 9 a.m. start time in the West Coast. Just finding a way, I give them credit for that. But to be fair, there was a moment where it was like the Pac-12 has restarted for no reason. If USC went down, it's Oregon is going to just play a schedule out. But even right now, Joe, as I look what's in front of them, if Notre Dame plays Clemson and Bama plays Florida in those conference championship games, I don't know what world they have to jump these teams. Ohio State's expected to run the table. Do you think there's any danger in those schools looking ahead seeing what lies in front of them and knowing that ultimately the college football playoff is probably not a reality? They're going to need, I think, a team like Alabama to maybe lose to Auburn. They're going to need Clemson Mm -hmm. to lose to Notre Dame again. They're going to need something like dramatic over the next month and a half of the season to crack the college football playoff. I just ultimately believe that. I don't think they're the quality or or in terms of the conference from top to bottom is as solid as the SEC or the uh, the Big Ten for that matter. And even though Michigan and Penn State haven't stepped up from wins and losses in that regard, they still play a lot better defense than some of the teams in the Pac-12. So I agree with that assessment, Kevin. I just think that right now, Oregon and, and and USC are on the outside looking yeah. in for the college football playoff. I would much rather have a, U, a BYU or a Cincinnati play. I'm just not so defensively on both teams right now. All right, Joe. Now, you know I love my chaos theory. I ask you about Cincinnati. I ask you about BYU. We can put in, say, an Oregon or an undefeated Pac-12 team that may have zero 
on the loss column and be on the outside looking in. We talk about the rationale for expanding the playoffs. I fundamentally believe, Joe, we're going to see an undefeated team sitting there at like five, six, and or seven when the chips are down in about a month from now. But you say you're going to need something to happen, right? Now, last week, we had marquee matchups, right? We knew something was going to happen vis-a-vis Clemson and Notre Dame. We knew something was going to happen vis-a-vis Florida and Georgia. This week, we're not as sure. But what I noticed, at least, you know, before all the cancellations, I noticed, Joe, that seven of the top 11 teams were scheduled, at least, to be on the road in conference. I remember you told us about Georgia going to Kentucky a couple of weeks ago and said, don't be surprised if they struggle, right? And I know they may not be favored to do so, but these kind of top teams on the road in conference, are any of them on upset alert, whether it be Notre Dame at Boston College, whether it be, you mentioned Miami on the road at Tech. what about, you know, Oregon at Washington State, even Ohio State having to see Tua's little brother? None of them are necessarily, would you pick to happen, But if any of them needs to be on upset alert, where could it happen this weekend? I think it's Miami on the road in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech won this matchup 42-35 to last year, lost a heartbreaker to Liberty where they blocked uh, a field goal, ran it in for the game-winning touchdown, Hmm. and a timeout by Justin Fuente cost his team the victory. Now here comes Miami. Miami did not look good on the road against NC State. Offensively, they look fantastic with De'Ara King, five touchdown passes, but defensively, they're are concerns, and they're going to be challenged by Virginia Tech's offense, averaging 277 rushing yards per game. They have a mobile quarterback in Hendon Hooker, and that defense is athletic and forces turnovers. They're plus six in turnover margin, and Miami, in my opinion, guys, undisciplined. 12 penalties last week, averaging 8.6 penalties per game, going on the road in back-to-back weeks, even though an extra day of preparation I have concerns about Miami coming out of Blacksburg with a victory this weekend. I'm calling for Virginia Tech to strike the upset. It's an upset in the sense mm. of ranking, but they're favored in this ball they're game. So I like yeah. Virginia Tech laying the two and a half in this in this game. I want to stick on this a bit, Joe, and think about to what you mentioned last week. Liberty, 25th team in the country, goes to Vodtech. They're 17-point dogs. First of all, we need to scrap all rankings. If you're a 17-point dog against an unreaked team, then all the rankings are meaningless. And maybe the rankings are meaningless. But maybe they get the win outright, Liberty, right? Now, I'm not going right. to pretend that Liberty has a chance to crack the top four. But if A plus B equals C, Liberty beats Vatek. Vatek gets the upset and beats Miami. I mean, Liberty has a coastal game on the schedule. Again, top four, it's not going to happen. But I look at Hugh Freeze's group. If Vatek pulls this off, there has to be a conversation about what Liberty is doing then in some capacity, no? Because that's a huge win that they did pull off, even if it was a complete gaffe coaching-wise. I mean, it was about as horrible of a coaching job in the final 20 seconds as I've ever seen. Nevertheless... If, like, I'm kind of surprised Virginia Tech is still favored considering they lost that game to Liberty. Yeah, that's a great point. Are they mad after that? Now, to your point, Kevin, about Liberty, let's not forget they knocked off Syracuse on the road. So there's another ACC victory under their belt. I think they do, I think they do have another one. I have to look at their schedule. And see, they possibly. 
Yeah, they have possibly three ACC uh, wins this year. So from a resume perspective, Hugh Freeze is doing a dynamic job. They're balanced offensively, can run the football, can throw it. Defensively, they're opportunistic, and that's what you want to see out of a team, especially an underrated group of five team, right, Come on, coming out of nowhere and striking the upset. So they're explosive, and he'll, he's going to get a job, uh, at least a job offer in the offseason. Hugh Freeze, let's keep in mind, mm. he is offense engineered a dynamic wins against Nick Saban at Ole Miss so you can't forget that a team in the SEC could be looking to rehire Hugh Free so I agree with you Kevin this is definitely if they win out they're definitely going to be a top at least a top seven team by the end of the year Wow. Uh, so remember, even more opportunities for chaos theory. Talking about Liberty, we got Coastal Carolina, we got Marshall, of course we got my squad, Cincy and BYU. And I want to ask you about another team that may be, you know, at some point in this season, in that conversation, and we go to the maction that we see on Tuesday mm. and Wednesday nights. Uh, you know, I know you're going to be talking about some maction uh, tonight with Kevin on in-game live, I'm impressed by this Buffalo Bulls team, Joe. Uh, they win big last night, but they also, for me at least, they passed the eye test, okay? They got wide receivers on the outside, and that running game with Marks and Patterson, I think those kids could be playing on Sundays. I know the Mac got off to a late start. How does Buffalo stack up against these teams like Liberty, Coastal Carolina, Marshall, and other group of five teams that we're talking about? Well, when you can run the football, you match up. And when you can shut down the yeah. run, you have an opportunity, especially on the road. Is Buffalo going to challenge a team like Marshall? Maybe in one day, but uh, you know, over the course of five or six games, I think Marshall is a better team. They have a better quarterback, a more okay. complete quarterback. And that's not to take away from Van Fleece through for five Five touchdown passes last night, but uh, again, they're a physical team, a blue-collar team because of their head coach Lance Leopold. But again, are they gonna? Are they BYU, Cincinnati? Absolutely not. I would say this right here, right now. Out of all the teams that we discussed, if are they what? Coastal Coastal Carolina? Carolina. That would be a tough matchup, I think, for Buffalo. Okay. Just because Coastal is athletic at the quarterback position, they're running back. Okay. Maribel can pound it between the tackles. They're a physical offensive line. They have athletic defensive players as well, especially at the linebacker position. Still think it's a step up from where Buffalo is, but that's not okay. to take away from that effort last night against a blue-collar Miami OT. Joe, let me ask before we let you go, in terms of a dark horse, now it's a Power 5 team, but Northwestern enters the top 25 at 23. I look at Pat Fitzgerald's group, they obliterate Maryland. We were like, oh, two of his younger brothers going to get benched for LeGrand, and now he's unstoppable, right? Lights up Minnesota, lights up Penn State. This team went won a tight one against Iowa. Next thing you know, Iowa obliterates Michigan State. We talk about sleepers. Are you impressed with what you're seeing from Pat Fitzgerald's group here? Could this team be on the other side of that Big Ten title game against Ohio State? Yeah, they can be. Let's not forget they were there a couple of years ago, you know, and and lost that matchup by 21 points basically in the fourth quarter. They're a blue-collar mm-hmm. team. They run the football. They have a game manager and former Indiana quarterback, Peyton Ramsey. He doesn't make 
poor decisions, always puts his team in a, a spot to win games, and they force turnovers. But more importantly, Kev, solid in run support, holding opposing yeah. offenses under 130 rushing yards per game heading into this matchup this weekend. And they're going to be challenged this weekend against Purdue. This is a wide-open offense with playmakers. If they can get through this type of matchup, they can possibly get to the college, uh, not the college football playoff, Big Ten championship game, but I would think they'd be severely overmatched by hmm. Ohio State. Also think teams like yeah. Indiana can challenge them as well. And another blue-collar team in Michigan, even though Michigan has two losses, interior, I don't think they match up as well as some of the other teams, even like Penn State. Mm. All right, well, thanks as always, Joe, for spending a couple of minutes with us. As we mentioned, next week, the you know the playoff standings come out on Tuesday night, and we will have you here on Wednesday to break it all down in terms of what happened, who's even still playing, and who has a path to the championship playoff. Thanks for spending some time with us, Joe. We'll talk to you more next week. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Joe. All right, we wrap up our number one of the early line when we come back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane and Kevin putting the fun and functional sports content here on the early line. Kev, great stuff out of Joe Lisi. And as we go on in the college football season with all of the factors, right, with these conferences and staggered starts and different number of games played, obviously how COVID impacts college football. And quite frankly, just because the fact is we, we're going to have eight teams for four spots it's going to be real crazy in the next month it is and i just the reason why i wanted to bring up that liberty vatek result yeah. is because it plays into what you've been talking about about a ranked team losing a road game miami is favored to lose that game similar yeah. to how a&m got jumped up because florida won a game you would think could be wrong you would think that if miami loses to virginia tech who unbeaten liberty beat at Virginia Tech, then Miami Makes basically automatically goes from like nine outside of the top 15, and that's the favored result. So we've looked through this a lot, you and I, about what's the big games this week. That one kind of, by a lot, seems like the game to watch. Because also, when we were having, I think the conversation was actually a little bit more off-air with Joe, about the oddity of the ACC structure there's no divisions, the conference championship yeah. being divided by tiebreakers that absolutely. nobody can wrap their head around because not everybody's played head-to-head. Yeah, absolutely. We also, though, we got to talk about baseball for a minute. We tip our cap to the newly crowned managers of the year in the American and National League. In the American League, Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays is the manager of the year. And then over in the National League, and I think this is fitting and important, Don Mattingly of the Miami Marlins. No, not because I'm a Yankees fan, but because of what he dealt with with the COVID. And, you know, no one thought that they would be in the playoffs. They got a young squad with the arrow pointing up under the stewardship of Donnie Baseball. 
Honestly, and, and shout out for Donnie Baseball, but just think about that NL East for a second, right? Braves went to the to the you know conference championship. The Phillies are supposed to be competitive. The Nats, maybe they bounce back off of the World Series hangover. Mats are supposed to spend, 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 and maybe the Marlins have found something. Yep. NL East is going to be nuts. We will see. Remember, we thought the NL East was going to be competitive going into this year. But yes, also, we got Cohen ready to throw some money around. We turn our attention to the NFL in our number two of the early line, which kicks off right after this break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 